Hey, Mom, am I patriotic enough now? Welcome to Road Rash Radio. I'm your host, Ninja XD, and this is the Thunder from Down Under Throttle Therapy 7. What's up, guys? We got a show for you today. Race Addict 321 on YouTube is the guy we're going to discuss, and he is a racer and bike enthusiast from Virginia. And our boy Hollywood, also known to you guys as ZX14R Booza Killer on YouTube, met him at Ghoul Motors, which is a ECU tuning company for sport bikes located in Pennsylvania. And our dude Booza Killer was able to set us up with this interview, which we have a transcript of. We came up with the questions to ask this guy, Race Addict, and then he was the one that interviewed him, and we have a transcript of the interview that we'll read to you guys. It was a really good and informative interview, and it's also cool because this guy is somebody that has actually done the stuff and has actually used the mods that we're going to talk about for drag racing. So it's somebody with firsthand experience, which is a lot better than the theoretical stuff we have with a lot of other people and he also gives a little bit of interesting history on Don Gould, the guy that started Gould Motors and anybody who's looking for good ECU tunes in the area, it's G-U-H-L, Gould Motors and uh, they do real good quality ECU tunes and they're very knowledgeable. Alright, so I'm just going to go ahead and read off the questions if you want to go ahead and read the answers. Cool. Okay, the first question is, what is the process for removing the 185 mile per hour limiter on modern sport bikes? All you have to do is an ECU flash. When you do an ECU flash, it takes the limiter out. Because it's a governor they put in place years ago to keep it restricted to that, and once you flash it out, sky's the limit. Once you make a certain amount of power, you'll go past it. That's easy. Okay, so the second question is, do the aftermarket slip-ons affect the power if the entire exhaust is not replaced? That's not the easiest one to answer. I'll put it like this. It really depends on the bike. Because we have a new ZX-10, even the older one. The header design is so good, the same with the 2015 BMW S1000. The header design is so good from the factory that even putting a slip-on on it will do pretty much anything a full exhaust will do. And it'll be a whole lot cheaper. You might gain with certain bikes, especially this ZX-10 and the BMW, you might gain two horsepower putting a system on there and you're spending a thousand bucks or more. I don't think it's worth it. They are light, they are already titanium, and most of them will flow really well. Well, let's say you take a ZX-14 like what Hollywood has, or a Booza, where the headers are 20 pounds and they're restricted. You want to do a full system on that bike. Certain bikes, you don't need to do it. You're just wasting money. So it depends. It's bike-specific. Okay. And the third question is, what is the single most effective way to improve power if you could only pick one upgrade? 
That's another long answer because that would depend on the style of racing you're doing. So if you're doing a top speed race that might require one mod, or if you're doing an eighth mile race, that's something else, even a circuit track race. But I mostly like to do top end type of stuff. And one mod, I'm going to have to say it's bike specific too as I think about it more. Because let's take the ZX14 again, or a Booza. The exhaust is really heavy, 45 pounds, 47 pounds for the Gen 2 Booza. So to remove that much weight is a big deal. I normally would say a quick shifter. Because if you've got a guy next to you that's quick shifting and you have a manual shifter, it all depends honestly on how fast you can shift. But the average shifter, if you could take the amount of milliseconds it takes to complete a shift versus a quick shifter bike that has to say uh, 40 milliseconds in the kill versus let's say 500 milliseconds on a manual shift, that many milliseconds each gear, let's say you're going from first to sixth gear, you'll lose rate of acceleration with each shift when you get up in miles per hour. Even a 200 millisecond shift slower than the next guy and you're going 150 miles an hour, you're going to lose a whole lot of feet. I can't do the math in my head, but from doing it firsthand, if you shift slower than the next guy, you'll lose bike lanes very easy. So the distance of the race, let's say you're in Maine at the, at the 1.5 mile event. You've got a whole lot of time. Well, I, was, I wouldn't really worry about a quick shifter because if your bike is more aerodynamic than the next guy and you have more or even the same miles per hour, if you have advantage on your setup with other than shift speed with the aerodynamics, you'll catch him in a mile and a half. If you're doing a short race, you might want to have a quick shifter because those bike lengths you're losing, you don't have time to make up in the short race when in the long race, so what? He can outshift me. I'd rather have less weight, so let me get a BST wheel or something else. It depends on the distance of the race. There's so many variables if you can only pick one mod. For a certain bike, you might want to lose weight. With another bike, you might want to change the shift speed. With a quick shifter, another bike, you might need it to be more aerodynamic. All they might need is aerodynamics, and they'll be monsters, because that kills you the most, especially in the long distance race. You can have all the stuff that in your setup all you want, but if you're sticking up in the wind, shoulders out, head above the windscreen, you're gonna get killed in the race no matter what you have. So that's my long answer. I wanna add to the question, if I had one mod, what would it be? I spoke about it depending on the distance of the race. I wanna add one more thing to think about. If you know who you're up against, let's say it's a one mile race, Let's say you have a ZX14 or a Hayabusa. Good aerodynamics, good torque, and let's say you're up against a BMW. Where let's say this bike can go 186 miles an hour and you're both stock. What one mod would I pick? Losing weight would help, but I know I need to go faster than this bike can go, which is 186. So I might want to do an ECU flash so I can go into the 190s and use the aerodynamics to catch this guy on the big end. So it all depends. It's all strategy. Everything is different. You might not want the same mod for every race. It's going to change. But losing weight and shift speed is probably number one. With the ECU tune, I'm still trying to get it into Don Gould and guys out there. It's the way to go because the ECU is the brain of the bike. It controls everything. I'm not fully against power commanders. There's guys out there that race and they know how to tinker with them 
They might be able to change the air-fuel ratio themselves, and they don't want to mess with the ECU with a tuning program. It might be a little more in-depth, and you got to learn how it works. I understand that. But for the guy going into the dealership, and he gets a slip-on exhaust, and the dealership's like, hey, you need a power commander, and then you can get a flash. They're racking up the bill. They make money on accessories. It's a business. And one other thing. I can't completely discredit any shop that sells a power commander. Most of them don't know the capabilities of ECU tuning. A lot of them just know information they might have heard 10 years ago, and ECU tuning wasn't that good yet. And Don Gould was actually one of the guys from the beginning who started trying to crack codes, and he has a few other buddies that got into the coding of the whole sport. But I know a lot of the shops don't know that you can override the whole bike and tune the whole bike through the ECU. So they only know to sell you the power commander because that's all they know. How can you push something else when you know nothing about it? So we're just trying to tell the consumer, look, there's another way. Don't spend 100 to 400 on a flash, depending on who you go with, and then buy a $375 power commander and then pay a shop anywhere from three to 400 to tune it. That's too much money when you can do it all through the ECU with one shot and take the restrictions off. So that's the end of the interview, guys. He's pretty much saying that ECU tuning is the way to go. Don't bother with a, with a power commander. As great as the power commanders were back in the day, maybe, like he said, before ECU tuning got perfected, they're not worth it now. For 400 bucks, you can get an ECU tuned, and you won't even need a power commander. So the guy that you interviewed, was that one of the people that worked there or sold it, or was that like uh, someone that bought it? He was one of the people along with Hollywood that bought it. He was not an actual employee, but he was the guy that turned Hollywood, which you guys know as Booza Killer, onto ECU tuning and Ghoul Motors in particular. Right. So he's, he's someone that bought it and uses it regularly. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing that makes a difference in this case is that it's not just a guy that's talking about it. It's somebody that actually puts it to use competitively. So that makes them, that, that gives them a lot more credit in my mind. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think that the, down the road it may be possible to interview Don Gould, who is the actual, the, the actual man himself who owns Gould Motors, and like Race Addict said, he was a pioneer back when ECU, back when ECU tuning was first starting. Yeah. But as as of right now, I think it's good enough to actually have Race Addict interview because, again, you know the guy is really knowledgeable. Yeah, I think it's the, better. Uh, well, I think the interview with him is better because he's someone that actually uses it for hobbies and he actually depends on it. Um, if he, you know, if he does racing or you know recreational or recreational whatever or. You know, whatever he does compared to somebody that's just paid to put it on another bike, they don't really know the stats or anything. It's just run-of-the-mill, here's another bike, let me, you know, blah, 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 and it's done. Versus someone that knows, yeah. you know, before and after because it's their personal machine. Yeah, and again, I, uh, I think that this guy not taking anything away from him because Don Gould might actually have – put time in on bikes himself it wouldn't surprise me at all if he has sure i just yeah. don't know that so you know for for our purposes it's a lot more useful to have a guy that we know 100 percent has not just done it but has actually done it competitively right right i think um 
I think that the coding part, do you remember when he mentioned that? He said cracking codes. Yeah, yeah. In the in the transcripts, he mentions that Don was one of the guys in the that was a pioneer back when they were first beginning to crack codes. And I assume to the listeners that what that means is back when they were starting to understand that you could get into the ECU by ECU by hacking in kind of. Right. Like yeah. uh, ECU reprogramming. But because yes, exactly. because I don't know so, if like if we're I mean, we could be talking to new people that don't really know anything about it. It's the same way with vehicle like cars. Now from the factory, whenever they have programmers that program the ECUs in cars, bikes, boats, jet skis, everything. And that's why on your uh, on your speedometer it may say uh, 110 or 160, 200 or whatever, but you won't get that because there's a governor that regulates how fast you can go based on the RPMs on the gauges. So, and it's mostly for like in case what something. What he's talking about, guys, is on a sport bike where you have your maximum RPMs above the red line and when you're in the red. Exactly. And modern sport bikes that are fuel injected will not let you get past the red zone, and even the thing though it is, says that you can go above. And the thing is, you can go through it, but you need a CPU flash. But the thing is, it's supposed to regulate it just in case, you know. I, I personally think it's so that you can't really get into trouble too much because, like, it's hard to take a car 200 miles an hour if you're if you're doing something unlawful, you know, because it's very slim. Uh, a very slim circumstances that you're going to be going anywhere near to even anywhere near 80 unlawful or lawfully, you know, legally. Yeah, so I, I think agree. they do that mostly. One thing that I think is interesting, I was reading a Wikipedia article actually about whose idea it was to put the 186 mile an hour limiter on there. Yeah. And apparently it's a nationwide, uh, nationwide agreed upon statute sort yeah, of that yeah. the dealerships all came to mm-hmm. and that was my conclusion what you just said there that's the only thing that makes sense to me because you know that a thousand cc bikes is totally even my 750 can go definitely faster than 186 even if it's only a little oh yeah i mean given time and no limits any machine can go 200 well i mean given a certain you know circumstance uh if it has enough time to yeah. get there and it has yeah, enough uh, gear ratio. Bikes enough. Right. And I yeah, think another thing... Well, I think beginner bikes, it's a good thing to have governors or limiters because, mm-hmm. you know, you have somebody over there, they're trying to figure it out or they're raw-dogging it, or you have kids and, you know, they get to it and you don't, you're not home or something, and they're raw-dogging it. Neutral, you know, even if it's a clutch, you know, whatever, and they're hitting the red limiter well it's doing that so it doesn't blow your engine because it's kind of a safety mechanism but i do believe that it should be able to be turned off and the new r1s has different modes it has a sport a mode a sport b mode uh or it's an aggressive uh aggressive two and it has um shoot what is it uh it's like commute mode and that's the newer touring mode Mine don't have it, but the newer ones does, and that's what I'm looking forward to this summer, getting a newer one to kind of test that out. And I've looked at a lot of reviews, and they say it's a huge difference. It's It turns into three different machines. So, 
I'd like to know so what I it know does. That, I know that Hollywood, Holly, at first when I was first on it, I didn't know anything about it because all I've ridden are these dinosaur ancient bikes. But when I first got on um, around Hollywood, he was telling me about these different power modes, quote unquote. Yeah. Well, I thought they actually were, that's what he was talking about. He was talking about the different modes, you know, kind of like a touring mode, a sport mode, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I think um, one cool thing, too, is I heard Race Addict mention this also. You can have a bike with ECU tuning if you have one that's new enough that it has those more than one program and you can select back and forth. You can take an ECU flash and set it up so that it doesn't give you all your power at once. Yeah. And you can make you can make a thousand cc bike or a seven fifty cc bike ride in one of those modes like it's a six hundred. And one thing that everyone has trouble with is they get this small bike when they're starting out and then they outgrow it in six months and they just bought this hot bike and they don't want to have to sit there and trade it in and lose all this money. And Race Addict made the point that it takes a lot of self-control, and most people wouldn't be willing to do it, which I can definitely see that. But sure. if you did want to do it, you could pay 400 bucks and get the ECU flashed and have one of those modes be like, have the thing run like it's a 600, which is a yeah. really interesting idea to me that's very out of the box. You don't hear people talk about that. Or you could... Uh... <laughs> or you could get a 200 frame, think... a 250, like... Uh, I know someone personally that did it. It was a 250 Yamaha or Kawasaki. I'm sorry, 250 Kawasaki cut my head off for mis mispronouncing on a Kawasaki my my blood. But they took a 250. Yeah. They took the engine out of it because it's the exact same like shocks and everything gear ratio to to an extent is a 600, and they took the 250 and swapped the engines with a 600, and it became a 600. But insurance-wise, it was a 250cc versus a 600cc, <laughs> and that was that's a big difference, which I know people that do that to, I've heard on forums and stuff, people taking 250s that have uh, horrible driving records and insurance, shout out, and what they do is they take a 250 <laughs> and they swap it out with like an R1 engine or a ZX-10R engine or the equivalent of a Honda or a Suzuki. And then, boom, you got that bike, but the serial number's different. It's kind of like a sleeper car, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is kind of. I think um, as cool and out of the box. Yeah, it's, it's a really different off-the-beaten-path idea. I think it's really cool. I just want to say, though, for the sake of everyone listening out there, when he says, boom, that implies that it would happen really fast. And let me just tell you all, <laughs> engine swaps not happen fast it would not be like <laughs> boom it would be a major pain and it is not worth doing unless you have a terrible driving record and even then i don't know whether it would be worthwhile so <laughs> sorry not sorry bro unless you have a lot of patience or you know somebody that can do it for you and they owe you a good favor like a big favor yeah like you rescued their their kid or something from a near death experience. That's a an engine swap <laughs> is a favor is a heck of a favor. <laughs> yeah, it may need it may be a favor plus boot. You know what I mean? Yeah, it might be. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Another West Virginia thing. People don't know that you go around swapping out swapping out saving people's kids for engine swaps commonly. 
not actually even a joke. I, uh, I think we should cover what is going to be the Raw segment today, which is, you know, we've talked about before, we're both pro-Second Amendment. We're all about concealed carry and having a gun on you, especially when you're riding a motorcycle, is very important. And right. to me, it's no different than having a spare tire. You should just have one because it's always better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. I yeah, think, absolutely. Um, and before we, I think before, that, we well, that, before we continue, I think we should both say that we both are licensed concealed carry permits, and we both highly, highly encourage, if you're old enough, to um, take the extra, take the one Saturday and, and do it. And, I mean, you're not going to regret it. And even, even if you're yeah, like, oh, i got to sit through a class or whatever, you still learn a lot of stuff that you may not have known, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm sure that this is going to not sit well with some people and there's going to be a bunch of saltiness over it. But oh, honestly, sure. yeah. uh, we're not, you know, it's, it's our personal opinions and we're honestly not a politically correct podcast. So if you don't like <laughs> it, you can, you can find somewhere else to go. Right, so right. I think our first experience was like, uh, you know, the thing with the vehicle thing getting into sketchy stuff when we were younger and doing a lot of things that now we go to the extra trouble to do legally. We didn't back then because you and I both were running around with guns before we had our permits and we didn't carry them as often as we should because we didn't actually, we couldn't carry them legally. And there was a particular incident back when we were into the tuner car scene, there was this one spot that we would always hang out with that was kind of the halfway point in between our two towns. Yeah. And it was sort of what sparked us to, to go ahead and legally do it so that we could have it on us 24 seven without fear of repercussion. Okay. So let me take, and I think you can give the intro to that. Yeah. Let me take it from here. So what we used to do is we used to go to a little diner. Um, it was, you know, where we'd kind of meet up. It was a halfway point between where you were and where I was. Um, you know, in, in a little town, little restaurant, whatever, uh, a lot of local people work there. Or not a lot, but local people work there. And, you know, nice waitresses and everything. So we would go there, and we usually got the same waitress, and it was it was a friend, you know, we would talk. And we would go there to talk while we were waiting to meet up or, you know, trying to figure plans out because it was just like a little hangout spot. So Yeah, it was almost more of a social thing than actually getting food. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so anyways, so we're sitting there, we, we go there, I would say, how long? Maybe, oh, about two months we would go there, like, all, like, different, you know, yeah, a lot, months, a lot. Two so, months, a few days a week. Yeah. So we think that we know this person, like, very well, you know, and this person... And we had a lot of, there was a lot of mutual, before everybody thinks we're a dumbass by the end of the story, we had a lot of mutual friends with this person as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. It got to the point where whenever, you know, whenever they were our waiter, uh, they would come down and, like, sit and uh, maybe eat with us or whatever, you know, because it was a a laid-back place, and they were friends, and they wasn't very busy, you know. Everyone's nice. It was family-owned, you know. Anyways, so, you know, we felt like we knew this person very well, and one day they invited us to a a house party, right? A house party that was going to be over at their house, and... Uh, you know, said we should swing by or whatever, and we were going to. And then I don't remember something came yeah. up. 
something came up. I think maybe you were going to be out, and I didn't want to go by myself, or I had something, and you didn't want to go by yourself, something like that. Um, we had we had every intention of being there, though. Yeah, that's what yeah. that's that we were definitely planning on going. Yeah. Okay, and we cannot make this up. This really happened, and you can go back and check records. Yep. So we we don't go. We pass, and I don't know if it was the next day or if it was like three days later. We see on the news where this this person, uh, what would the word be? Uh, took took two took. Well, people back or uh, a guy it back. Was to- not a, it was not a strong arm. So this guy that went to the place, he went to the house party that we were supposed to go to. Uh, first off, not to you know, people are going to maybe get salty about this too, but this was a woman that set this guy up. That we that this this guy went to the house party that we plan on going to, and he got robbed. And it was not a strong armed robbery. It was an armed robbery with weapons. The guy rolled into the place. There's it was a no, dudes. dude. It was an ambush. Is what it was. Cause they beat the hell exactly. out of him with bats in a house. Yeah, and, he and one dude had a, three against one. Yeah, and one one dude. One dude. I think it was that one dude had a gun and the other had a bat, and they were masked up waiting on the dude. As soon as he rolled through the door, they jumped him. So, you know, this isn't a sexist thing at all. But when you are thinking of, you know, it, it's a woman that's inviting you to the party, you automatically have your guard down. Yeah. Because you don't expect this this girl to rob you because she's a woman and you don't you're not you don't feel threatened by her. In well, any the way. thing is, she so, was really nice, really nice, and it wasn't like, yeah, hey, so, she wasn't bugging us to go either. She was like, hey, I'm having a house party later. If y'all if you guys want to swing by, you know that'd be that'd be great. And then we find out later that someone went in our place and then they got mugged and they got the hell beat out of by bats at uh, at gunpoint in a locked house. And I mean, you know, we didn't see it coming. Yeah, so it was, no, it, it would have, that's the worst thing about it is you and I kind of roll around doing what we please wherever we want because we figure whatever comes up, we're going to be able to handle it. But it's always the shot that you don't see coming that is the one that gets you. And <laughs> yeah. that's what we're really sucked about that one. So, so after that happened, we you, waited about, I think it was like the next weekend or maybe two weekends at the most. And uh, a buddy of mine, I used to work with at a car dealership. Uh, I was a mechanic over there. And we, he hosted uh, concealed carry classes. It was on Saturdays. Uh, 50 bucks, you know, that seems like the normal thing around here. I don't know everywhere else. But anyway, so we set up. Yeah. Me and Brooke went out there. We drove out there together, met him over at a shooting range, kind of went through the basics and everything we we all we both have our own little packet that we got you know and uh it was mm-hmm. it wasn't just concealed carry it was handguns and revolvers class it was all in one 50 bucks to to expand your knowledge and get licensed i mean that's not bad at all so you fill out a packet you sit through the class whatever and uh you say you understand you know you sign you were there you fill it out you take it to the sheriff department and you pay them a small fee, they take your picture, send it off, it comes back and you got your concealed carry, you can do what you want. And 100%, I believe, and you do too, that you should always be carrying, and why not do it legally? That's so much less stress. I mean, if if you got a felony or, and I mean, I still think that you need to have something to defend yourself. I'm not saying a firearm, but if you do, then I mean, it's your choice. 
But I think if yeah. there's a legal way to do it, you need to do it. But if not, you still need to figure something out. It's a, yeah, it's it's important. Like, why would you, you know, there's, it's there's no place dude. for not doing that. Especially That's around here. Especially around here. Yeah. If you go out a back road um, and you get caught out at a, at a, uh, um, at a gas station that's out in the middle of nowhere, or you stop and your bike breaks down, or you stop to, you know, answer some text messages on your bike, you don't know who's going to be there. You don't know who's going to pull over. You don't know, I mean, it's back. A lot of times, you don't even have service, you know? If you're down, you got to sure. walk a couple miles to get cell phone service to get help. So, you definitely, you definitely need something to defend yourself. And, I mean, me personally, I keep concealed carry and i keep an extra magazine under the seat or whatever i think i may need just in case along with you know Always. a couple breakdown tools you know tools in general you know whatever and then maybe a snack or something let's be real let's be real if i yeah. don't have a backpack Always. A little for snack. Sure. yeah but, for sure yeah for sure. but uh i, I believe 100 percent that um and i say this easily you're a complete moron if you don't have a, a backup plan in case something happens hurt your safety, you know, your yeah. well-being, it's, not it's a bike really wreck, like, but somebody. Yeah, a person. It's like my mom always used to say, you know, you carry a PB&J and you carry your pistol. Like, I'm just, <laughs> you know, that didn't actually say that, but yeah. yeah. So that ties directly into something that happened recently, right after Halloween this year. Yeah. And uh, for the Raw segment, we were going to go over it. And recently, I was out with a friend. We were downtown in my in my little hometown. It's not a very big place. <clears throat> it was, I think, two nights after Halloween. And I was leaving this guy's house and he or his apartment. And I had gotten on my bike and I was riding through like a 25 mile an hour side street really slowly. And I had the bike in neutral and I was fiddling with something. I was putting adjusting my backpack strap or something like that just coasting and everybody remembers the whole clown epidemic when that was super big and that stuff was happening all the time yeah yeah well out of the sides of the street like out of this alley and uh um i'd say seven i think it was like six or seven of them all these all these people in clown outfits walk out and they're they're way ahead of me. They're probably a hundred feet ahead ahead of my bike, and they come out from both sides, walk into the middle of the road. One of them has like it wasn't a bat, but it was it was something like that. It was an axe handle or something that was that looked like that, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. a hockey stick. And we uh, we go out, and the, they they go to block the road off, like they're not going to let me by. Well, I put this thing in first gear. I'd been cruising with it in neutral so I could mess, have both hands to mess with my backpack. I put this thing in the first gear and run right at the dude in front of me that's standing right in the middle of the road. I don't try to go in between them. I just go straight at this dude. And he steps out of the way at the last second. I mean, I was like this close to hitting him. I thought I was totally going to hit him. Well, I, I'm pissed. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to sit there and, and get run out of someplace by these dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, this yeah. is like downtown in a nice little area. Like, this is not, this is not like the hood at all. Like, this is a nice little area. And I'm like, man, I'll be damned if these dudes run me out of here. Like, this is not happening, you know? Well, clowns in the hood. So, I, 
Yeah, exactly. Not at all. <laughs> Definitely the clown thing is I'm not even going to try to act like that's not a straight up white person thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, yeah. And just being real, sorry, sorry to, sorry to sit there and run these stereotypes, people. I'm sure everybody's getting salty, whatever. So we turn around and uh, I put the thing in neutral and get off of the bike and these dudes start walking towards me and kind of circling up. I'm like, man, like there is no way. And I'm looking at the dude and I flip my helmet visor up. I had like a tinted helmet visor. I flipped the helmet visor up and I was like, I was like, you better be careful, man. I was like, if you guys keep walking around and running up on people like this with your clown outfits, you're going to get hurt. And they all keep walking in on me. And the dude like looks at me and like turns his head sideways, like kind of cocks his head sideways like that. Just trying to be scary, you know, just trying to like play the whole thing. Oh, up. with his mask on. Yeah. And, yeah, with his clown mask, like turns his head sideways and doesn't say anything and like, starts walking in on me. Like, yeah, that. Yes, precisely. Yeah, yeah. Precisely. <laughs> not, not what you want to see. So I, I bend down on the street and I'm like, I've got my, uh, my gun on my ankle. That's where I carry it. And I pull my pant leg up and pull my pistol out and just tuck it in my waistband where I can get to it quicker. And I just did it real slowly. But you I let him see that you had it. I let him see that I had it, and I just pulled it out and put it in my waist and just stood there and looked at it. Well, all the dudes are still walking towards me, and they all stop. Like, I don't know whether they were dudes or not, but they all stop. And uh, after the guy looks at me for a second, I just stand there and keep looking at him, and he turns around and walks off. And all of them turn around and just start going back down the alley they come from. Well... I call the cops after that, and I'm like, look, this just happened. When the dudes were walking off down the alley, they walked by, like, a low window in the side of a building in the alley, and the dude's, like, the dude busted it with the hockey stick or whatever it was. That It looked like a hockey stick with the, the end for hitting the puck cut off. And so he walks by it and hits the window and busts the window out. So I just called the cops, and I was like, hey, these people just rolled in here. They tried to block the road and then they surrounded me and started walking in on me. And then they walked down the side aisle and broke this window. Nothing really came of it. The guy drove around and I never heard anything else about it, but it's just one of the perfect examples of what we're talking about. Like, why would you not have it? You know, it's better to have and not need than need not have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, another, another saying that I remember is, if you carry and even illegally, it's still better to be judged by twelve than carried by judged seven. By twelve and carried by six. Six, yeah, yeah. I've always thought that yeah. was neat. I saw that on some T-shirts. I was, I really wanted to get that. That's pretty neat. <clears throat> like T-shirt philosophy, but very true. <laughs> it's true, dude. It's true. Um, but I guess we're gonna end it there. Um. We're, I'm going to go ahead and mention it's going to be on YouTube, uh, video, little video on YouTube, uh, MP3 is going to be on SoundCloud. Still, I got, I'm with another editing guy, and we are going to, we're kind of going back and forth about iTunes. He's kind of, he works for Newground, or d still does work for Newgrounds. I don't know if you know what that is, it's a, a short clip website. So, he's going to try to help me with that, because he has a little bit of, a couple things on there. And we're going to get that figured out. And again, if you guys, the listeners, want to challenge us in our beliefs or what we believe in or what, you know, what we feel is right, please do so down in the comments. Um, 
And if you have any questions, we're both thick skinned. We're both thick skinned. Thick we welcome the feedback. And the thing is, if you got any like life questions, just let us know. Uh, you know, I know you're working on getting your account set back up on YouTube, but I'll, you yep. know, I usually go through a couple times a day and check everything, kind of go through everything. So, any questions, want to argue, holler at us, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Future, I know, don't hate me, but it's going to happen. Maybe a Reddit, not too sure. Is there anything else you want to add? Nope. Follow me on Instagram, Throttle Therapy 7, and follow you on Twitter, NinjaXD. This is NinjaXD and Throttle Therapy 7, signing out. Deuces. <laughs>